A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to Film Jet, a podcast all about an extremely flatulent child whose brainy best friend invents a device that can harness his farts and turn him into an energy source that can power a rocket. Oh, wait. That's actually the 2002 film, Thunderpants. This is actually a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Danny Moran. Joining me is my dear, dear friend, Sam Foster. Sam, what's on today's show? Oh, hi, Danny. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, this week on Film Chat, Danny tries to work out what's going on inside The Imitation Game, the biopic of Alan Turing that sees Benedict Cumberbatch take on the Nazis and institutionalised homophobia. Danny's review is encrypted, but I've built a machine to decode it. Plus, reviews of two of this year's festival hits, Leviathan and The Skeleton Twins, and I test Danny's knowledge of IMDb trivia. Sounds like a great show! I think so too! Play the jingle! <laughs> films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. Danny, uh, have you been wading through um, our inevitably enormous amount of correspondence this week? Yeah. Do we? Do you have anything? Any particularly good things from it? No. Boring, were they? This week's letters. Very boring. I mean, there was a lot of them, but yeah. they were all very dull. Yeah. I mean, I read hundreds, and they were all unreadable. Yeah. <laughs> unreadable. Some of them just yeah. I mean, like unreadable. Yeah. Profane. All right. So that section. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's we'll on. skip. <laughs> Um, Sam, yeah. the title of our podcast. Yeah. Three weeks in, still a matter of some debate. Okay. I've, you know... People are clamouring for more alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, give us an alternative. Well, as luck would have it, I've ha- I have a few. Okay. Um, we've had a couple of listener suggestions. Sam Casey suggests, flicks with puns. Hmm. Flicks with puns. Flicks with puns. I get it, because uh, flicks is like films, yeah. and some of your other um, alternate names were puns, right? Yeah. But once we've settled on that name, where's the puns coming into it? People are going to expect puns every week. Yeah. Yeah. Flawed, it's not going to work, Sam. Flawed premise. Anyway, I've got some much better suggestions. All right. So, strap in. Film men. <laughs> like, like, film men. Oh. Film men. Yeah. Film men. Okay, yeah. Film hunks. <laughs> are these all... Is this like the um, template for all of your suggestions? No. Well, the first few are yeah. okay. similar. Film grillers. Mm-hmm. 
film Grillers in the Mist. <laughs> okay, yeah. A room with a review show being recorded in it. <laughs> it's a bit wordy, that one. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How about Sam, Danny time? Like to... Like, like stop, like... hammer time. <laughs> yeah, but with Sam, Danny time. Yeah. Yeah. How do you punch ready that book? Sam, full stop. <laughs> Danny time, full stop. <laughs> okay. Um, how about magic half hour? Because like the magic hour is like a period in the day where the light looks really good to film in. Like Terrence <laughs> Malick just films in the magic hour. Yeah, everyone's gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, but because our show's like half an hour, it's like a magic half hour. I think people will just think it's some kind of like sexy, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, late night um, soul show or something. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. How how about uh, finally? <laughs> Celluloid coal and the commotion pictures. <laughs> Fantastic. Another <laughs> wonderful crop of alternate names. I'll have another 20 next week. Oh, I can't wait. Actually, Sam, I have a surprise segment. Oh, what? I know. Yeah, what? We didn't discuss this. Well, hence the surprise. Last week, <laughs> one of the suggestions yeah. caused a sort of spontaneous bit of tomfoolery. That's a weird <laughs> way of putting it. What Do you remember the suggestion, Danny and Specs? The yeah, multiplex. the multiplex, yeah. And you said it sounded like too much like I was inspecting the multiplex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with that in mind, <laughs> I'd like to premiere the first episode of Danny Inspects the Multiplex. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, here we go. To playing. Yeah. <laughs> this is Danny Inspects the Multiplex. Wow. Welcome to the first episode of Danny Inspects the Multiplex. I'm inside the Kingston Rotunda, which houses a very large Odeon cinema. So we're just going in now. Okay, okay, wish me luck. Okay, so I'm on the escalator up. Um, It's quite a large building. Uh, Lots of people. It's quite busy. It's Sunday night. Um, Just entering, getting up to the top floor now. Uh, lots of flashing lights. What's going on? Oh, it's a tree. It's a tree. It's the Christmas decorations. Um, a lot of people going to Prezzo this evening. Very popular. There's a bloke on a date in Frangos. Doesn't look like it's going very well. There are a lot of people about. I mean, I don't know what's going on. It's a Sunday night, for Christ's sake. Okay, there seems to be a new... Some sort of money-saving food scheme. That's a weird way of paying it. You can get some Smarties for 99p. <laughs> what the hell's that? Beach Ding? An ice cream called Beach Ding? Who the fuck's... What the fuck's a Beach Ding? It's 175 is what it is. I want nothing to do with it. It's Hongonized Ben and Jerry's, or you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, we looked at the cost of the concessions here at the Odeon Rotunda, and they were astronomically high, so we've smuggled in some dry mango. Hopefully we won't get caught. We tried to go into the main screen area. We were denied because we were told the screen isn't ready. However, the man who told us this was called Danny, and according to his name tag, his favourite film was Footloose. So, can we trust him? Yeah. Yeah, just uh, having a piss in the cubicle here. We've just left um, the film. Uh, it was well projected. The audience was well behaved. It was a fun experience. Though, they left some of the lights on. Not all of them. Not enough to ruin the film, but some. So, it's going to be a 6 out of 10 from Danny. 
for the score at the end. And that was yeah. Danny Expects the Multiplex. Come and pray. <clears throat> I, I think that's a winner. That's definitely a, a fantastic segment. The only problem is... If that was a whole podcast I downloaded. That's not the only cinema I actually go to, so that might be a one-off Wait, performance. What, what about next week? Are we going to get? Isn't Danny going to expect a different multiplex? I'm quite lazy, you know. I don't want to travel too far away from my house. Yeah. Well, you just inspect that one again. <laughs> yeah, I inspect it again. I mean, it's going to be better. <laughs> the title of it doesn't suggest that you're inspecting more than one, does it? It's true. Danny inspects that multiplex again. <laughs> Danny, <laughs> Danny inspects that multiplex. <laughs> Emphasis on the that. Uh, that was a lot of fun, especially like the soundtrack. There's all uh, our son and producer who we never mention and will never mention. <clears throat> Someone did it. Someone did it. Yeah. It might be us. We just record these and drop it into a hole in the ground and then <laughs> wait to get an email. Yeah. Just get spat back out. Yeah. Superhero films announced. Casting rumours leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's been to print. Exciting news. Well... I don't know how exciting this is. <laughs> Completely negative. Why undercut yourself immediately? Well, the news is that Christoph Waltz is uh, apparently very close to signing on to be the new villain in the new Bond film. Mm-hmm. The big uh, question is, will he just be Hans Lander from Inglourious Bastards? Well, it's just like, they're so, it seems very lazy, that stuff. It's like the last movie is like, we'll just make like Batman and we'll get the guy won an Oscar for being like crazy to be crazy again. Yeah, yeah. It's like, who won an Oscar for being crazy recently? <laughs> That guy, the German guy. Yeah. We'll get him. That's true. I'm just like, I mean... But apparently, he might be playing Blofeld. Oh. Because the rights have just been untangled from whoever had them. Mm. So they can have him in the new series now. Oh, so maybe they'll just, like, shave his head and give him a scar. Fantastic. I, be, I feel like post-Austin Powers, like, there'll be a whole generation <laughs> of young children who will just be like, why is Dr. Evil in the new Bond film? But they, you see, they'll not understand the... Uh, you know, let me get the reference. Yeah. Other Bond-related news... Is Leia Sidhu? I love Bond news. Has been cast as the Bond girl, who oh, yeah. she was in Blue Is Almost Color mm-hmm. and uh, the maid in Grand Budapest Hotel. She's also in Midnight in Paris. Yeah, briefly. Anyway, I heard about this, and I was like, "Isn't she like fifteen? You know, I thought she was like criminally young. Maybe just because she played like a teenager <laughs> in that movie. Yeah. Anyway, it up, she's like twenty-nine. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. And Daniel Craig is forty-six. Yeah, it's and still the, quite a big gap. And then this prompted me to just uh, investigate the disparity in ages between Bond girls and it's a uh, great idea. it's a good idea. James Bonds. Like what do you reckon? There is two examples of the Bond girl being older than James Bond. Really? Yeah. Wow. One Goldfinger, uh, when Sean Connery was thirty-four, on a Blackman was thirty-nine. Uh huh. And in, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, Diana Rigg was one year older than. George Lazenby. <laughs> However, Rick was one year old. One year uh, old. Her Majesty's Secret Service. Anyway, guess what the largest age gap was between uh, a Bond girl and a Bond actor? Um, 15 years. <laughs> 20, 25 years. I don't know. In For Your Eyes Only, Roger Moore was 53 and the woman playing the Bond girl was 23. <laughs> it's a 30 year age gap. Wow. Yeah. Wow. More than, more than twice <laughs> Yeah, more than twice. Uh, twice her age. But the average age of a Bond over all the movies is 42.8 years old, and the love interest is 28.6. You've done some real... An average difference here. of 40... Well, I just found a website that had this already. Okay. Well, how many That's years do you reckon it's, like, okay? 
know? I don't know. I mean, there's a whole kettle of fish that that discussion, isn't it? There's, I think, that old rule of thumb about um, if it's like, what is it, something like half plus seven or something like that. Is, right. Is that's that's the like youngest they can be before it's weird, like half your age plus seven years. So, Craig is like one year shy of not yeah. being weird. He's it's 40, almost not weird. Forty six, twenty three plus seven, thirty. Yeah. She's twenty nine. Yeah. You're a pervert, Craig. <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with you. Well, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. That was ex- How many more surprises have you got up your sleeve for me? That's it. That's it. Two surprises. Yeah, God. You really pulled it out of the bag for this episode, Danny. I'm very impressed. Yeah. Well, I've been spending all week on those two segments. <laughs> Maybe you could tell the amount of hours I put into them. Yeah, it's very impressive. So, uh, other news. I read uh, today that Paul Greengrass might direct a new version of 1984. Um, that's pretty much all we know about it at the moment. But he uh, will direct it. Seems like a reasonably good choice. I think. Do you think Matt Damon will be playing Winston Smith? No, oh, maybe. Yeah. You know, the dream team bed together. <laughs> maybe he'll be playing Bourne as Winston Smith. Maybe you know what that novel lacks is some like scenes where like Winston Smith like kicks ass. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like uses a book as like a way to sort of like garrote a villain or something. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I think that could be good. Seems like a reasonable, reasonable choice. Yeah. I don't know if Greengrass has done anything like with like science fiction elements to it or whatever well he was a briefly he was a briefly he was a briefly he was a briefly <laughs> attached to Watchmen but yeah. then it collapsed yeah well maybe it collapsed because he wanted to do the whole thing handheld and like yeah know. I think it's good I never saw the I've never seen the John Hurt version I think mm. it's quite good I, I've heard it's good as well but I haven't seen it either apparently it's crap actually the the, the magical producer person who we kind of refer to by her name yeah. I mean his name I mean it's name yeah. <laughs> Says yes. it's bad. It's bad. Don't <laughs> want, I, I kind of want to see it. Let's see John Hurt. John Hurt. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it all scratchingly poor? Out of Danny for the judgment we're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. So, reviews? Review time? Yeah. So, Danny, you've seen uh, this week's big film. It's the big film of the week. The Imitation Game. I have. And uh, what did you think of it? Well, Sam, I didn't like it. What? You I didn't, didn't like, like the Imitation it. Game. I didn't like it. I left the cinema, it was, and my uh, feeling was like a bit like, I was a bit meh. Mm-hmm. And then the more I think about it, the more I dislike it. Until now I'm bordering myself, like, hating the film. <laughs> <laughs> so slowly crept up on me how much I dislike the film. Okay. To briefly synopsisize, yeah. um, the structure is, it starts with... Alan Turing being arrested for indecency, as it were, mm-hmm. being a homosexual. And um, it's him telling Rory Kinnear what he did during the war. Mm-hmm. And it kind of flashes back to the when he was part of uh, Bletchley Park's team to crack the Enigma code. And then it also has another flashback to when he's a kid in boarding school and like him being bullied. Okay. And it's not very good. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me start with the positives. Like, the acting is like very strong in it and Benedict Cumberlatch the peculiarly named actor uh, is very good in it and I think it's easy just to sort of uh, it's like oh of course he's good and he's playing a socially awkward you know this is just they just cobbled together some outtakes from Sherlock and yeah. CGI'd his hair different yeah. and made this movie about it but like he he's genuinely really good and he's giving a much better performance than what is written really yeah. because one of the, my main complaints of the film is like it's a very simplistic like borderline quite dumb film yeah but a very smart guy yeah yeah and his like character's like really painted very broad strokes 
but he is giving a lot more depth, which is not really on the page. Yeah. And uh, similarly, like, Kira Knightley, who I've not really been a huge fan of in the past, is very good in it, but her role is pretty much just to sort of say a series of vowel sounds in the most, like, plummy-voiced way possible. It's like, oh, oh, rather, oh. That's pretty much her character. And, uh, but the highlight is Mark Strong plays the head of MI6 as, like, just a, almost like a parody of a spy. He, like, literally just, like, appears from behind a curtain <laughs> at one point. It's like, we're doing some spying. Like, brilliant. Like, really, he really loves spying. Yeah. So, like, it's like, this is the code. It's unbreakable. Um, I think one of the big flaws is, uh, I don't know, like, the problem with biopic is, like, as a genre, is it's very easy just to judge a biopic, like, how accurate a portrayal it is. But then you've got to sort of pretend the movie is, like, about a fictional character and just, like, judge it on its grounds as a movie. Yeah. And one of my... My thing that irritated me the most is how stupid the code breakers are <laughs> they're like they're supposed to be like the smartest minds like the story's so cool it's like these coming you know in this like little quiet um countryside town like the smartest minds in britain were, like cracking this unbreakable code and uh the characters are pretty much just like the cad he's a guy who sort of smokes and he's like hey, i'm quite handsome do i there's like the scottish guy and there's a guy, I don't know his name, but he's like, just like the intern. <laughs> he's like this little like sweaty, nervous man. I was like, how is this guy like the fourth greatest code breaker in England? He's about 12. And so like, like as the movie established, establishes, like Cheering is like one of the greatest mathematicians that's ever lived. And he's quickly put in charge of the operation. But then everyone doesn't believe in his enigma machine. It's like, why are you wasting your time with that stupid machine? You should be helping us. And then like, there's all these sort of like false drama created. And it's like, He's obviously a genius. Like, you've hired him to crack this code. And it's not like his machine is so out there. It's like all based on maths and science. It's yeah. like these mathematicians should be able to look at his plans and say, this is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just, it's like so annoying because it's so obviously not true. Yeah. And obviously, if you know nothing about Alan Turing, the one thing you do know is that he broke, he cracked the Enigma machine. So it's just like completely dull to watch his audience. It's like, the movie should be uh, focusing on how he did it, not the fact that he did do it. Right, exactly, yeah. And it doesn't. It's like quite a ho- quite a classic thing where they uh, they tackle the like exciting life of someone who worked in like a technical field, yeah. And they just make it all about the you know the human like drama or whatever, and it's like yeah, people are interested to know, you know, the actual mechanics of like the process of how it was done. Yeah, yeah. precisely. It boils down to like I'm building a machine. Machine's not working yet. Machine's quite slow. Uh, fixed it. Now it works. That's like his groundbreaking science reduced to that sort of plot line. Yeah. Also, it like has real the flashbacks to his youth where he's bullied. It's real sort of like cod philosophy one oh one, where it's like because he was bullied as a child, he became socially awkward and got obsessed with building a computer, even though he didn't want to didn't know what it was. It's like it's not as like cut and dry as that. Yeah, yeah. As though, as though, like, if they didn't have those bits, he'd be like, but I don't get it. Why is he, like, why is he interested in... Yeah. Doing, yeah. It's like someone's What really... happened in his child to make him care about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the movie stops and it's like, here's the backstory of this character. And it was just very awkwardly done. And, but I think the thing that annoyed me the most <laughs> of the several things is it really downplays the sort of tragedy of his life in a big way. I think it's okay to sort of say what happens, you know, sort of well, every, yeah, yeah, Everyone yeah, knows, yeah. Right? it's famous. So, thing. like, he was prosecuted for being gay and he agreed to have oestrogen 
injections. Yeah, so um, chemically castrated. Chemically right? castrated to cure him of his uh, gayness. And uh, instead of going to prison, and then after two years of that, he just committed suicide. But the movie ends with a sort of slight kind of hopeful note of him, like, looking at his machines that he's created, and then the sort of flashbacks to, like, the day they've, like, cracked the Enigma code. Like, all the team, like, rejoicing, and then all the sort of the words come up, you know, like, Alan Turing. He's the reason we have computers, isn't it great? And it's like, again, this might be me comparing it to the sort of better movie I imagine in my head. But I don't think you can do... A accurate version of his life and like I should really be devastated by any of it because it's yeah. so tragic yeah, like his yeah. life so at the end I was like it's such a sort of cynical Oscar grab yeah and I was just like ugh, ugh, exhausted by it and basically I don't think it's very good at all despite B comes best efforts you can't rescue a film which is just uninspired and shit <laughs> fucking shit <laughs> yeah wow and I want to find the guy who wrote this film and just say, you've done a terrible thing. If, just to add, you know, if Turing's life was a more miserable, you've seized upon his tragic life and just used it as some sort of shit. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get a like Oscar grab. Yeah. Oh, il est maintenant temps de s'aimer revoir un film. Je veux près de m'excuser de ce n'est pas bon. Mais il ne serait pas. Il est un gêné. Yeah, I went to see uh, a movie last week. It's a film called uh, The Skeleton Twins. Um, it uh, premiered at Sundance, I think, early this year. And it only got a tiny release over here. I'm not sure why, but um, it's probably been and gone. But maybe one day our listeners can check it out on Netflix or something like that. Um, it's a sort of indie uh, comedy drama starring Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig. Um, Kristen Wiig's probably best known as the main character in Bridesmaids, um, but they're both pretty familiar presences on screen and um, from Saturday Night Live. So in, this, in the story, um, Hader and Wig are estranged siblings, Milo and Maggie, who reconnect after they both make failed suicide attempts. Um, and then Milo goes to live with Maggie and her husband, who's uh, played by Luke Wilson, as this kind of like ultra earnest like dude bro um and uh then they kind of uh, restore their relationship and uh you know reforge their old bonds but then old wounds are reopened and the past is dug up and all that kind of thing yeah so it's it's a very enjoyable movie i, I really really enjoyed it i was kind of primed to enjoy it going in because i really like bill hater and Kristen wig mm. especially when they're together yeah. and uh if you're not familiar with them i really recommend going on YouTube and just looking up some Saturday Night Live sketches starring the two of them because even if the material isn't that good they're just like so funny together and like always trying to sort of make each other laugh and stuff like that that it just it just works yeah um and they have uh inevitably they have really really great on-screen chemistry and that really drives the movie forwards it's like every time that they're together and hanging out you just like believe it yeah you you can really believe them as um as twins and it's like uh 
it's not a straight out comedy obviously because there's quite a strong theme of suicide running through it so that's not hilarious um, well <laughs> to most people but the bits when the movie works most successfully are is when the two of them are happy and they're just kind of hanging out and like making each other giggle and stuff like that and yeah. I was like you know fantastic I was just having a great time in fact like they're almost too funny together like, yeah I was going to ask like yeah. Do they do they have the chops, the dramatic chops, to sort of carry the? Yeah, yeah, no, their straight acting is actually really good. I think um, they both they both do very well. I think if I'd gone into it having had no idea who they were, I wouldn't be like, yeah. you know, it's not you're not crying. I don't why believe is this, it. It's nonsense. This obvious clown doing this <laughs> drama. Yeah, but when they're like um, when they are making each other laugh, it's almost like you're just like these people should be professional comedians. They're hilarious. You know what I mean? Like they're just yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're almost like too funny for like normal people that makes sense yeah um, yeah so I think that if if you can buy into them you'll definitely enjoy the movie but it is a little bit by the numbers you can kind of see what's going to happen yeah you know, they, they, each have, they each have problems you know, they've obviously got issues which is set up immediately because they're trying to kill themselves mm. and you kind of know you know that things will be explored things will resurface you know blah 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 so it's not like nothing that happens in it is truly surprising and and also it doesn't um, it doesn't completely follow through or like doesn't kind of embrace the dramatic stakes that it sets up. I think yeah. There's kind of two main um, driving like subplots driving um, each of their characters, but it doesn't really it doesn't have a satisfying um, climax to that storyline. It kind of fizzles out a little bit. And in the other one, again, it's like it reaches like a huge moment and then it's resolved a bit too quickly. So it doesn't have that kind of dramatic gut punch that you'd expect from a movie which is so much about suicide. Yeah. Um, and my final and probably most important note about the movie is I loved Bill Hader's wardrobe in this film. It's got a kind of autumnal feel to it. And he wears a series of fantastic sweaters and like scarves and jackets and I just wanted to dress. I was like, how can someone who looks so great in these jumpers and sweaters... Kill themselves. Kill themselves. <laughs> and if you kill themselves, leave your wardrobe to me. Yeah. Peter. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I recommend it. I definitely recommend checking it out. I think, like, compared to another movie like Take This Waltz, the um, which is also a kind of drama, but with, like, you know, um, wry humour to it, with yeah. Seth Rogen and Michelle Williams, which is, like, quite shit. But if you're if you're in the mood for that kind of autumnal comic drama yeah, 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 type yeah. thing, then I highly recommend it. Something that's okay. not too taxing. Yeah. Well, I'll check it out, Sam. No, I think you should because your opinion is, is gospel <laughs> to me. Ooh, time for a break from all the film chat. Have a cup of tea, maybe make a quick snack and telephone a friend so you know where she's at. Speaking of skeletons, yes. one film whose poster featured a huge skeleton is Leviathan. <laughs> yep. Seamless segue. Brilliant segue. Alright, so you may have seen this uh, little two posters declaring it to be like the greatest film ever made by mm. anyone ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like dauntingly well received. It's one of these films with like a lot of laurel leaves on the poster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some of the plot, it's this Russian drama, and uh, Nikolai, Elizabeth's girlfriend, Leah, or Lilia. <laughs> basically, everybody's name and everyone involved in this film has like far too many vowels in their yeah. name for me to pronounce. Actually. I was, I was, I was going to wait for you to pronounce the names of the lead actors <laughs> and the director. 
Oh god, it's gonna be a real. <laughs> so this is written and directed by Andre Svigensev, and sorry, let me just do the synopsis. Okay. So okay. Sorry. Nikolai lives with his girlfriend Leah and his son from his first marriage, Roma, mm-hmm. on a house near the coast. I'm not entirely sure where the movie's set. Somewhere in Russia. And like the local corrupt mayor is illegally seizing his land for his own rotten gain. And um, Nikolai's like fighting this through the courts, but it's just been sort of wrapped up in red tape, like wherever he goes. Is it modern? Yeah, yeah, it's modern, sorry. And um, the film starts from like his friend from his army days, Dmitry, uh, who's subsequently become a lawyer, um, comes down from Moscow to help him. And the film sort of kickstarts from there. And basically, it's a modern retelling of the Book of Job. Oh, yeah, I read that on Wikipedia. Where, like, Nikolai faces all these hardships. And uh, the kind of point of the movie is everyone's lives are, like, subsequent. Like, you're just at the whims of the gods. But in the modern world, the gods are just, like, any authority figure who's got any power over you. And uh, I really, really enjoyed this film. I went in, I'm slightly concerned it was going to be a movie that was more good for me than actually good. Yeah. Because it's just so sort of revered, and it's like it's Russian, it's two and a half hours long, it's like shots of waves, and yeah, yeah, like yeah. the kind of the trailer is sort of like hilarious. There's people sort of like wandering to rooms and just sort of like shouting at each other and like looking at each other, and you know, um, but it's really great. And I think the trail, um, the trailer and the poster sort of do a slightly poor job of selling it because it's a lot more commercial than you'd think. Like first of all, it's like very funny. Oh really? Surprisingly so, because like, like um, the corrupt mayor in particular, he's like. He's ridiculous, never not believably so, but he's like so hilariously corrupt. He's just like constantly pissed and just like fucking everyone's lives. <laughs> and the movie like has a lot of fun with the absurdity of people in power yeah. and how like insane their corruption is. I mean like a lot of things like the acting is amazing. Everything like is immaculately made. And um another really good thing about the drama is his he's very tough on his characters. Nikolai is quite a sort of drunk brute right and their family's like a very dysfunctional family and that stuff i mean um, he's not just a kind of like salt of the earth like like, martyr yeah 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 and like that sort of family drama is uh really well done and just like rich enough to be its own film in a way but it's like put inside this larger context of like basically it's like obviously allegorical for russia to oh, rush the yeah, Russian yeah. situation. But it's never, like, it's obviously got a political statement, but it's never sacrifices the movie to, like, none of the characters ever feel like ciphers yeah, or anything. Yeah, They're all yeah. got, like, a sort of life unto themselves. Mm. And what's quite funny about the film is that it's partly funded by the uh, Russian Ministry for Culture. Really? Wow. <laughs> but it's, like, like very, very anti-Putin. Yeah. There's, like, a scene where they're about to shoot, like, a photo of Putin. They, like, <laughs> they have, like, a target practice. Because they're, like, a lot of the movies, like, them just getting pissed on vodka. Yeah. And they, uh, they go out to, like, practice shooting with rifles, and they have, like, all the former prime ministers of Russia. But, yeah. And, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm struggling to think of things because they're just great. Yeah, so, no, it sounds good. I'm sold. Yeah. I kind of went in. I went and, like, saw, like, the Curzon Soho on a Friday night at, like, 8.30. And I, like, I was like, yeah, I, you know, what have I let myself in for here? But then, like, this kind of Philip Glass score came up, and there's, like, these shots of waves. Like, half an hour, and I was like, this is brilliant. This oh. is fucking great. Sounds good. And it's like one, I want to check one, of the, one of the best films I've seen this year. Easily. Danny, would you like to play a fun <laughs> trivia game? <laughs> would I? I would, Sam. Okay. My game is called Maybe True or More Than Likely False. Wow. Basically, I'm going to read you bits of IMDb trivia, and you have to identify whether it's real IMDb trivia 
or IMDb trivia that I've invented. Okay. And I'm excited. Unfortunately, we can't verify whether it's actually true. That's yeah. why the title of the game is a little uncertain. So it's re- whether this was actually on IMDb or not. And also, I can't say for certain <laughs> that the things I've made up are false. <laughs> they might be true. They terrific. might be true. Some of them. Wow. Okay. So we'll start with something that's uh, not too groundbreaking, just going to ease you in. All right. Christopher Walken can't swim very well. Um, False. That's real trivia. What? He's so good at dancing. But he can't swim very well. And dancing is just... Uh, <laughs> swimming is just sea dancing. <laughs> it's just dancing among the waves. Okay, number two. Brett Ratner, the director of Rush Hour and X-Men The Last Stand, mm-hmm. the used to be in work. a band called Ratner Time. False? Th- that is false. <laughs> uh, I made that up. All right. Mike Myers' brothers nicknamed him, nicknamed him Sucky Baby. True. True. Yeah? That's true. Apparently he was in a commercial when he was nine and he cried on the last day of shooting. Oh, a sucky baby. That's a weird... I thought it's a weird was... sounding nickname, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, next one. Sarah Jessica Parker has never eaten a pear. I just can't believe that. That must be, <laughs> that must be false. All right, that, that's false. I <laughs> okay, next one. <clears throat> Helena Bonham Carter has a fashion line called The Pantaloonies. Pulse. <laughs> That's true. True. She started a, a fashion line um, with a lingerie or like swimwear, I think, yeah. designer called um, Samantha Sage. And their first collection was called Bloomin' Bloomers. It's a Victoriana style selection of camisoles, mop yeah. caps, and bloomers. The duo are now working on a pantaloonies customized jeans, which Helena describes as a kind of scrapbook on the bum. <laughs> um, okay, final fact. Um, Michael Gambon is the tallest man in the world. <laughs> what do you think? Is that um, real trivia or? I'm going to go with false. <laughs> yeah, that was an invention of mine. <laughs> Last one. <laughs> wow. Wow, well, I very much enjoyed Jam- that. Yeah, so. didn't take me very long, so that, that game can make a reappearance. Well, you, you, you stumped me with a few of them. Oh, good. Yeah. You seemed a little uncertain about whether SJP had uh, eaten a pear or not. <laughs> I don't know. You know, that was good because that was so weird it could be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a good, like, uncanny valley of That's weirdness. That's what I was aiming for. Yeah. yeah. So, Sam, um, it's exciting news. We've got a sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we finally received a sponsor. Got um, a huge amount of views, yeah. or listens, rather. That's, getting. that's why I've quit my job. So, um, let's just uh, play our sponsor advert. Hey, Britain. I've been in your shitty country a long time. Since this morning, in fact. I know I'm not the only one who wants to close his eyes and pretend he's someplace less fucking depressing. So why not be like Bacon and forget your troubles with the latest super informative, ultra fun podcast, Film Chat, hosted by two classic blokes, Danny Moran and Sam Foster. It reminds me of being in the film Tremors 24 years ago. Film Chat, Saturday afternoons on Facebook, SoundCloud, and now on iTunes. As you Brits might say, it's a right stonking great lark. Celebrity endorsement by Bacon. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't do that for everybody. No, no, no. If you if Bacon gives you the thumbs up, you know you've made it. Right? Bacon is a sign of quality. Yeah. We're making bacon. I mean, have you seen his filmography? Yeah, wall to wall classic. <laughs> do you know why? Impeccable taste. Exactly, exactly. If you look at his IMDb page, that's the one impression you're getting from Bacon. Is that this man only touches classics? I mean, have you classics. seen X Men First Class? I've seen it. It yeah. is incredible. 
and his performance in it as a rich um, Victorian man or something was absolutely astounding. Absolutely astounding. The thing that really pushed the bacon boundaries mm-hmm. for me was... Well, he tries to do that on every film, as he often says. I mean, I haven't seen him play someone who was German before. In this film, he was German. Mm. Always pushing the envelope. Yeah. He won't stop until <laughs> the envelope's gone. <laughs> it's fallen off the table because he's pushed it off. <laughs> Where's the envelope, Bacon? I don't know. It's been many years since I pushed it off the table. God knows where it is now. I've kicked it under the door. That's a weird sounding phrase. I don't know where that. I don't know what that means actually. Pushing envelope. Yeah. Uh, if you know where the phrase "pushing envelope" originated, listeners, please write in. And please write in to uh, Phil Jet Studios. <laughs> I don't know. Can't make up a whole address. Okay, that's all uh, for this week's film chat. Thanks very much for listening. Next week we'll be um, speaking to Nicole Kidman and asking her what it's really like being Australian. Film chat was written by Paul Abbott and produced by Scaramanga. The director was Ellen DeGeneres. The roles of Danny and Sam were performed by Eddie Murphy. Please do. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Do not leave this podcast in direct sunlight as it may cause wrinkles.